Welcome to Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life. I'm Sherry Essig, an executive and life coach, and I work with people who are done settling for less than success and happiness. And I'm Ann Roby, an HR advisor and consultant focused on building strong employee engagement and meaningful company culture. So Anne, I am so excited that our guest today is Darion Rahimzadeh. Do you remember the day I reached out to you and said, oh my God, I saw this post on LinkedIn that is the most amazing thing. I am reaching out to him and I'm going to see if he wants to talk about being on our podcast. I totally remember it because then I fell down the rabbit hole of reading all these amazing comments and I was like, who is this guy? He's my hero. Right. So here we are two months later and I am so excited to have Darion on today because the post that I saw was all about the fact he was stepping away from his job at Google. And what really grabbed me was he was so open and heartfelt about the fact that he was stepping away to tend to his mental health and well-being. That just so deeply resonated with me when I think back to my days in my corporate life and how I wasn't always so great about tending to my own mental health and well-being. So I'm going to let him tell his story, but I just want to say that his post about why he was making his decision like so clearly struck a nerve with a ton of people. The day I read his post, it had about 20,000 views and hundreds of comments, which was pretty awesome. And when I went back and looked a few days later, it was up over 50,000 views and over 1,800 comments. I mean, it was one of these things you read about that goes completely viral. And clearly, the words he said were words that really needed to be said, and there were a lot of people who needed to hear them. So what he has on his LinkedIn profile now as to what he is up to is woodworker, dog dad, aspiring inspirer, which is just awesome. And when he sent me his information for his bio, I'm just going to read you a couple words, is that he's a currently exploring his passions, his hobbies, and his long past due career and life goals. So welcome to the podcast, Darian. I'm so happy you're joining us. And I'm going to turn it over to you to tell us a little bit about your journey and some of the twists and turns that have led to where you are today. Thanks, Sherry. And and it's great to be here. And I think I'm trying to decide if that's the first time anyone said that I'm their hero. I hope it's not the last. (laughs) (laughs) I can't Um, believe it'd be the first, but I'm certain (laughs) it won't be the last. Yeah. So really kind words for you to say thank you. And I I echo your sentiments. It clearly struck a nerve that post did. And it's funny, I wrote that post kind of on a whim. I told people after the fact that like leaving my job was not an emotional decision. I thought about that for a long time and planned for it a long time, but the post itself was emotional. And so I I really didn't want to connect the emotion from the post to quitting your job. You know, like I, I was really afraid that that might not catch on, but I was just afraid of the impact that would have. Anyway, all that to say, I really appreciate it. And it wasn't my intention necessarily to create anything with that post. I had the last post that I had on LinkedIn, I think it was two years ago when I was trying to get a friend of an internship. It was like, <laughs> yeah, I, it wasn't my intention at all. But I was aware of the impact that my words had and what the conversation could look like moving forward. And so that's something I'm, I'm currently exploring as well, kind of 
my next step, whatever that looks like. In terms of you know my journey or my story, I feel like I'm still in the thick of it. I feel like it's just getting started. And I, I've been, I live in Austin, Texas. I've been here about six years. And most of the six years was I've been at Google. I left in January, I guess. But you know, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, in Metro Atlanta. I went to a big high school, like nothing super special or, or crazy unique, no, no great stories there. And yeah, I went to college at the University of Georgia, big public school, just kind of going. Go dogs. Yeah. National, the <laughs> national champion, Georgia Bulldogs, may I say. <laughs> so especially as a kid, I felt like I was just trying to do the best that I could with what I had and, you know, make the right decisions. And at the time, I really thought I wanted to be a teacher and that drove a lot of my decisions as well. I got into Vanderbilt and really want to go to Vanderbilt, but then didn't think that I would have the money to, <laughs> to pay for that, especially as a teacher. So, you know, went to the University of Georgia and that, I don't know, maybe maybe there's a through line there because I had great relationships. I had a great experience. And I feel like that's where my story got started was at the University of Georgia. I had an internship at the Career Center and that's where I got exposed to coaching, career coaching in particular great mentors, great relationships, and just learned a ton. And I also started that pretty early on in my college career. So I then became a resource for all my friends in terms of resumes, job searching and all this <laughs> stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm a sophomore in college helping seniors get jobs. It was really strange. There were conversations where someone would be like, so, you know, what are you doing after graduate? I'm like, I don't know. I'll tell you in a couple of years. And they were like, oh, that's, that's awkward. So, yeah. So I did that in, in undergrad and did a lot of like leadership and service was, was really in touch with the leadership and service community at, at Georgia, there was a variety of things. Usually a lot of that was like working with underclassmen around getting involved and in, in those kinds of things. And that's actually how I met my now wife towards the end of, of my college career. And I was kind of wrestling between continuing that path around student affairs or higher ed. And then I just also felt this pull to go teach, which I had wanted to do since I was in high school and thought that's where I would end up going and ended up uh, enrolling in Teach for America, if you're familiar with that, and ended up teaching for two years at a Title I school in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I felt super motivated to do that. I felt like it was absolutely the thing that I should and wanted to be doing. And then when I got there, I realized I was not a good teacher. And I think my colleagues would probably disagree with me, but... What makes you say that? Well, I was not a good middle school teacher. I don't think it was what they needed. And, and here's more specifically what I mean by that is in a middle school classroom, what they need more than anything is structure. They need to know where the pencils are. You can't, I, you know, I don't have kids, but I'm imagining parenthood is probably similar, right? Like consistency and structure and not bending for one student over another because of however things shake out. And so I really need to be liked. That's like something I've learned about myself being around 12 year olds. And that, yeah, that just doesn't work for seventh graders for their teacher to desperately crave their, their, <laughs> approval. Yeah. their approval. So you sort of have this aha that, wow, I, I've identified this idea that I, I kind of really want to be liked. And that's not really serving my seventh graders that I'm teaching or whatever grade it was. And so where'd you from there? Like what happened next that sort of got you eventually to Google? Yeah, good question. After my first year of teaching, I realized kind of towards the end of it, I had a teacher coach who was in the office right behind me. And then on the other side of his office was another first year or second year teacher. So it was funny because he would come into our classroom when we had a bad day and be like, Darion, I heard you were, uh, 
you were yelling quite a bit there. How was your day? And he would check in on us. And that's kind of, you know, in terms of the through line, I was in, I had a coach right there to help me through my first and, or I guess my two years of, of teaching. But I realized at the end of that first year with his help that I really wasn't being me in the classroom. And that came through to the students, to the kids. And one thing he mentioned to me was that happiest I've seen you in the classroom was when we played this silly, like trash kit ball game where it was more trivia than teaching. I would ask them a question. If they got it right, they could shoot a little ball of trash into the trash can from across the room. And they loved it. They were so engaged. And I had a great time because they were having fun. And after that conversation, I realized like one of my core values is fun. I just like to have fun. And I wasn't having fun in the classroom. And that led into my second year. I tried to do more activity. You can't do that all the time, of course, right? You can't play trash football 180 days out of the school year. But I tried to incorporate it as much as possible. And I also identified that, yeah, one of my core values is fun, but my mission really, and this came from when I was working at the Career Center and all the work that I did in undergrad, my core mission is that I want to help people have fun at work. In college, that looked more like you know activities or in their major or whatever. And then at school, that looked more like preparing them for high school or for college or whatever that might look like, but just preparing folks to be in roles that they enjoy. Or it might mean and you have a really crappy job and you just need someone to cheer you up. So after that conversation, I kind of came to that realization for myself. That's what I want to do with maybe my life, but certainly with my work. And that has driven me with all my big career decisions kind of moving forward from that. I knew that teaching middle school wasn't really going to scratch that itch. So I did my second year, like, like I said that I would, and, and I wrapped up and applied for, for graduate school my thought then was, I want to help teachers get in the classroom and I want to help them stay. I want to help them have fun in the classroom. So I enrolled at Vanderbilt and they have a leadership program there that's inside of their college of education that I thought was just perfect. And that was kind of my dream school coming out of high school and everything just kind of clicked and worked out. And yeah, so enrolled at Vanderbilt, loved that program, learned a ton about organizational development, leadership, and human resources. And then when I was at Vanderbilt, I also had a chance to get a graduate assistantship in their career center. So I was coordinating interviews for undergraduates and working with the interns and getting to do that. It was just odd that I ended up at the career center again uh, around career coaches. I'm trying to think of the last time I wasn't around a coach and it's been a while. And this is ultimately how I ended up at Google. I did the two years at Vanderbilt. And when I was applying for jobs my second year of the program, I was using Google to look for jobs, you know, I was Googling jobs and I was like, oh, I wonder if there are any jobs at Google. So I click on the careers page and there was this role that when I read the description, I was like, this is exactly my assistantship. This is like word for word what I'm doing. There are some, like I can flip employers for students, but otherwise this is exactly what I'm doing. Got on LinkedIn, who do I know at Google? Turns out someone from Teach for America and from undergrad from Georgia, who I knew really well because I taught with her in Charlotte. She was at Google and she was in people operations. So I just reached out to her and we had a conversation. She was like, yeah, this is absolutely the right role for you. So that was the only job I applied for that I interviewed for. I applied for a whole bunch of others. I actually had a really hard time finding a job coming out of graduate school, which was kind of weird. The only job that 
the only company that interviewed me was Google. <laughs> well, it really speaks to the power of connections as well, right? The fact that you had these two friends and, and not that they slid you in, but more just like how having those connections can really help you in your career, but also your friend really validated for you and said, oh yeah, this is really the job for you. Yes. And, and I've referred tons of people in Google and none of them got hired because, <laughs> and, and I don't think it had anything to do with, I was just in the right place at the right time and the role was the right fit. And that is what I tell everyone that I refer is like, yeah, I can refer you, but I got to be honest, you only meet one or two of these criteria. Like it's probably not going to work out, but there's not a better role for you or whatever that might be. So at this point, it seems like, wow, this is really meant to happen. You're perfectly suited for this job. Nothing else is showing up. Your friend is telling you it's perfect. And yet an important part of your journey, and it didn't really turn out the way you expected. Yes, it was perfect. And it continued to get even more perfect because I had that role. I made tons of friends that first year and a half in, in that specific role, which was more of a coordinator role. And then I moved to a different role, which was college recruiting, which was like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I want to do. You know, I've got that career coaching, higher ed, you know, experience. And like, but now I get to do it for Google, which is fun and exciting. And I was on that team for about three years. And I loved it. I had opportunities to look elsewhere in different teams within Google, but I just, you know, I got promoted in that role. My manager was amazing, like great friends. I, like I invited my entire team to my wedding and that's kind of where things started to go off the rails a bit was, I don't know if you were around for April of 2020. <laughs> oh, I was the head of HR for a tech company and I, I remember. <laughs> so yeah, COVID started to spread and we just to work remotely. And, and really, that was the first domino. Working remote just wasn't a great fit for me. I just need that interaction. And also the uncertainty and the ambiguity, like that created a spiral. And then there was a reorg where a lot of people from my team got shuffled, myself included. Some people left the companies altogether because of that. So I had to find a new job and I was already on the short-term assignment. So I had like four managers within the span of 12 months and none of those roles. And I kept applying for, it was just, I was trying to get back to that point where, Hey, like I'm going to be here for a while and I, I want to be invested. And it felt good and juicy, right? Like it felt like really in alignment. And then all of a sudden it doesn't. And there's all this other stuff in the world going on. That's also shifting under your feet at the same time. Oh yeah, absolutely. And there was a ton of personal stuff that had happened to me as well. My uncle passed away. He was on the other side of the world. So then my dad had to like fly back and forth and there was a lot of stress on him. There's just like, nothing was going great. I looked at all the other jobs. I had actually looked earlier when I, after I got my promotion and my thought was, okay, I'm ready for the next thing. I looked at the entire company and I was like, I don't really want to do anything else. This is what I want to do. Yeah. And so I'd already kind of made that decision. I knew that. So then when I got moved away and that wasn't an opportunity for me anymore, I kind of knew already, I don't really think there's anything left for me here. But it felt really silly to leave Google without at least trying to you know, see what else is there and all my connections and relationships were there. So I stuck it out for a year in, in a role that just was not a good fit. That was a full year of, of just not being... Yeah. And so at the same time, if I read into your LinkedIn post, because you and I don't really know each other, but if I read into that post, it seems like it was really starting to impact your mental health as well, right? Like this was not just kind of a shitty job, yeah. um, but, but it also was impacting, you know, between what was going on in the world and the stuff in your personal life, it really started impacting your mental health. 
How did you, were you aware when that was happening or is it only in retrospect that you can see that it was, or talk to us a little bit about what was happening for you at that point? Yeah. So I was aware of it in the moment for the most part, about three months into the new job, I was like, give myself a chance with this new job and, you know, spent three months to get ramped up. And then that manager left as did like the folks that were ramping me up. And so there was this span where it was, I had no manager, I had no mentor. And then my manager's manager left. And it was just this huge vacuum. I had no idea what I was doing. And I kind of realized in that moment, like, this is not my problem. (laughs) And not in the sense of like, dismissiveness. I think I had taken on, I'd put that burden on myself a lot. Oh, something's wrong. Let me fix it. And in that environment where there was so much, for lack of a better word, chaos and dysfunction, I can't take all of that on myself. And there's really not much for me to do. I'm new on the team. I'm supposed to be learning. And, you know, in the post, one of the things I talked about is like, I asked for help and I wasn't performing well. And like, I was looking for help and there wasn't much help to be offered in the way that I needed. So let's, let's unpack that a little bit, because I think we're a little bit in the middle of a mental health revolution in a lot of ways. We're demystifying, people feel more freedom to talk about it openly. And yet companies and managers and very well-meaning companies and managers and HR departments aren't yet really equipped to really understand how to meet the needs of their employee population. And so I want to be careful here and not step too much or step too closely to something that might be painful to you, but I would love to hear a little bit about what would have been helpful at that point. What could have managers or the organization or your support system have done to to really help you? Yeah, it's a great question. I thought about it myself, even in the moment, because I don't think there was anything. And I wrote about this in my post a bit, which is I was just waiting for someone to send me an email or hand me the keys or something, right? Like, Hey, you wanted the magic wand to be waved in some way. I I wanted the magic wand for a variety of reasons. I guess my life had just kind of worked out that way in the past. And maybe that's what it was. Or what I really think it is, is when you're in person and there's just opportunities and there's people, the way that I went about dealing with stress, anxiety, work-related, the way I dealt with all of that in the office, I had a way to deal with that, whether it was people or connections or taking a walk or whatever. But now I'm you know, in this 20 by 20 room or however big this is, just kind of trapped. And like all my connections were moved and I'm not seeing those people on a regular basis, even over Zoom. And so I think one thing companies can do is think twice before they just reorg wholesale without much thought. I think, I think that's part of it. There were, there were two reorgs and that, that didn't do a lot of, a lot of good. But the realization that I had from the post was like, and also from a work that I'd done with my coach. And that was one thing I did in the moment was I went and got a coach. I started seeing a psychiatrist and a therapist. And I realized I had clinical depression and got on antidepressant medication. And so there was a lot of self-care that I took on. I also took a month off of work to recenter myself. And that was hugely important as well. But all that to say, what I realized was I had to do that myself. I was waiting for someone to give me the solution because I assumed, oh, Google's this huge organization and they're going to take care of me. But they don't know what I need like I do. And at the end of the day, I've just talked a lot about, you know, 
oh, I was coaching and I want to help people have fun at work. And like all of these things weren't in alignment with my current role, nor, and I already knew that I didn't want another job at the company. So it was kind of like, what are, what are you doing here? I didn't know what the answer is. Like, I don't know what's out there, but I know what it's not, which is what's happening right now. What I'm hearing a little bit, they, they did do some things well, right? So it sounds like they afforded you a month off to take care of your mental health. Hopefully they were being supportive in terms of employee wellness and benefits in regards to therapists, maybe even a coach. I'm not sure if they were supporting that or not. Um, and so I, I'm glad those particular things were in place. And what I would suggest is that I think you're right, that ultimately we as humans and individuals, only we can know for sure what we each individually need. And we can't be so blind as organizations, even really great organizations like Google, to treat employees, and again, I'm not suggesting Google's doing this, but to treat employees just like numbers or widgets, right? And that there has to be a little bit more human connection, a little bit more human back in human resources, maybe, in order to give somebody like you the time, the space, the support that you need. You did a lot for the organization. You were, you know, for a year or so, you were you were kind of flying high, right? And and really in alignment with the org and what you wanted and what they wanted and all that. And so I love that they did do some things really well for you. And I really want to underline that for our listeners that there are things that organizations can do. And to your point, ultimately only each of us as individuals can really know for ourselves where our truth lies. So Darian, in listening to you tell your story, the other thing that is so clear is you said one of your core values is fun. And this is part of what you're describing is you are not having any fun at all. And I think a little bit of your comment when you were in the office, there were ways to deal with it. It's a lot easier to generate fun moments when there are other people around. And I think what's so powerful about this part of your story is how important it is to be in touch with what's most important to us and not poo-poo it, not be in this place of, yeah, but work is work and fun is fun. And to really honor that for yourself, that is incredibly important to you. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And that was absolutely something I realized. I was kind of the guy all hands meetings, kind of sarcastically cracking jokes in the back in good nature. But like, I have to make someone smile or laugh in a day. I, and I wasn't doing that. It was just me and my dog. And she doesn't think I'm very funny. Right. So that, that brings us to this moment where you've made the decision to leave and you've made the decision to write this post and would love to just dig into that a little bit more on like what was happening in that moment. Yeah, I had done a lot of work with my coach just throughout the year around getting clear on what my values were and what where I got my energy and just you know just really like unpacking a lot of my like who I am and what makes me tick. And as I was applying for jobs in November, there was this job that had asked me to they said if if you've done Strengths Finder or Strengths Quest, which is a personality assessment. So, you know, that focuses obviously on your strengths. Uh, they, they, they identify five, I think. And they're like, if you've done it before, go ahead and tell us what your strengths are. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I like pulled out my book, went through all my college stuff. And there was a little note card I had written back in, I don't know, 10 years ago. And I had my five strengths on there. And they were 
woo, which is winning over others, developer, learner, empathy. And I just kind of like read through them and I was like, yeah, this is me. That's me. That's me. And I realized I'm not doing any of these things at my current job. Like none of my strengths are being utilized. And I thought more and more about it. And my whole time at Google, I was working really hard on trying to succeed in areas where I really didn't have those strengths, things around organization and providing structure. And even going back, it was like when I was teaching, it was just like, I have been moderately successful if I'm being humble, right? Like I've been successful in areas that I don't really think are my strengths. And I haven't let myself really try to do something that I'm really good at or that I feel, you know, these strengths that I have in front of me, I haven't really tapped into those. And I just kind of had this moment where I was like, if I can be this successful working on my weaknesses, like what's available to me if I, if I do something I'm naturally good at? And that was pretty eye-opening for me. I was like, I, I got to get out of here. I don't know what I got to do, but it's not this. And so, you know, I wrapped up the end of the year and knew, knew I was leaving going into the holidays and talked a lot with my family and my wife. And yeah, when January hit, I, I put my notice in and I, I was content to just kind of leave it at that. But at the beginning of the year, you see folks on LinkedIn Hey, got a new job. I'm excited to announce. And like, this is what's going on with my career and my life. And being a recruiter, I'm connected to a lot of folks that I don't super know. Maybe I've had an interaction with them over the past year or two or five. Same thing with, with old college friends too. And I, I knew I wanted to write the first part of the post announcing that I was doing nothing. It was really important to me that I do nothing for at least a little bit because you could call it a reset. Ultimately, I knew I didn't want to recruit. And I needed that space to really explore, I suppose. And, you know, I talked about those strengths. And then, you know, in the introduction bit that I, that I sent you, Sherry, I was talking about exploring my hobbies and my long life things that I've always wanted to do that I just haven't done because it didn't fit my plan of, I didn't even have a plan, but it didn't fit the model of, you know, this program, graduate school, this company. And there are things like, I kind of want to try stand-up comedy, or I kind of want to write a book. I don't really know what I want to write a book about, but I kind of want to write a book. Or, you know, I've gotten into woodworking. I want to make a really cool piece and submit it to this regional competition. There's just all these things that I really wanted to do, similar to my strengths that I just haven't created time and space for yet. And so, I wanted to tap into that first and do some exploring before jumping back into career mode, if you will. You could have done that silently. You could have done that and not said anything about it. You had said at the beginning, the last LinkedIn post you had written was two years before. And so I'm just curious, why LinkedIn? Why did you put it out there, do you think? When you're a recruiter, especially at a large company like Google, you get a lot of messages from folks. Mm-hmm. Hey, how do I get a job at Google? Hey, how do I break into tech? Here's my resume. Can you forward it to so-and-so? And I guess I just wanted to point out to folks that like Google's a great company to work for. It's an amazing company to work for. And obviously, I don't think I'm too disgruntled <laughs> anymore, but I just want to be really clear. Like, 
they were awesome. And the people there are amazing. And my managers were phenomenal. And I had great connections there. And if there was a role that interested me, I'd go back in a heartbeat. But I just like myself more. <laughs> Google's great, but I'm pretty good too. And you know, there wasn't a space for me to really do what I can for others or for the world or for myself. Like there just wasn't a, an opportunity for me there in the way that I needed. And I guess I just wanted to point that out to people. Like you are more than just your title. And it doesn't matter what company you're at or what your title is. If you're not clear about like your values or what gives you energy or what gives you who you are, then it doesn't matter you know, where you work. You, know, you, you can be at one of the best companies to work for and still be miserable. It's not going to solve your problems of getting into Google. And that's one of the things that you said in your post that I just think was so powerful. One of the things you learned was that nobody else can figure this out for you. Or I think it was maybe nobody's coming to rescue you. And it was so powerful. And I suspect that that just landed as a very loving gut punch for a lot of people around, it takes a certain amount of guts and courage to say, I'm going to walk away from this and I don't know what I'm going to do. Absolutely. And I think I picked that up from one of my managers who said, I was venting to her about just everything. And she, she just kind of mentioned it offhandedly and then like logged off. And I was like, I was stuck with that (laughs) comment for like the rest of the day. I was like, yeah, no one can do it for me. I was just waiting for that. Oftentimes, for me in particular, big decisions like that, life decisions, I feel like I need permission from someone. And I don't know if this has something to do with my childhood or youth or or, or what, but you know, I was waiting for my manager to say, okay, you know, yes, you now have permission to do this. Or you want to go explore coaching? Well, here's a job. And oftentimes people take another job opportunity as that permission to leave. And so leaving without, I'm doing air quotes here, permission felt weird. And that post, my hope was like really friends and like close colleagues that I knew were struggling, but weren't talking about it, or at least weren't vocal about it. Certainly not on LinkedIn or social media. Hey, whatever it is you need to change and you, you're not giving yourself permission for, if you need mythical permission here, here it is. Just, you know, blank slate. Here it is for everyone. Carte blanche, yeah, here carte you blanche, go. Whatever that is. To, you know, I said this in my post, like, is it move home? Is it, you know, break up with your whoever or like call your friend or, move, you know, sell your house or whatever that is. You're just waiting for permission. Like, do it. And it didn't have to be quitting your job. I think that was a lot of, there wasn't a lot of pushback, but there were some, you know, messages and whatnot around quitting your job. I was like, that really wasn't my intention. My, my intention was there are these things in our lives that we are not letting ourselves do, specifically me, things that I haven't let myself do. And I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to go try them. So I'm, I'm so curious, you, you pour your heart into this posting, you're like, whatever, you throw it up on LinkedIn. I've got some good friends out there now and I use it all the time as a recruiter. And then bam, 50,000 plus views of, or more views probably than, than that, but 50,000 responses. What was that like? You know, I had an interview the next day. <laughs> I like- Oh, for a job? For a job, yeah. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, so I posted that on like a Thursday. I didn't even tell my wife. 
because I didn't think it was a big deal. You know, I just like sent that out and then I'm like getting messages and, you know, so I log back in and like, okay, well now I got to tell, I got to call, I got to tell my wife, I got to call my mom. That way, you know, my neighbor doesn't forward it to her before is, <laughs> that's going to be a problem. <laughs> like I need to tell my mom so she doesn't hear from someone else. And you know, it's funny. I, I sent it to my brother and sister and my family and they were like, oh, cool. And that was it. Mainly because it really wasn't out of the norm for me. Like that's how I talk. I don't really talk that poetically, I don't think, but those words aren't that different than what they've heard for the past year or something I would tell a friend about taking care of themselves or making decisions for themselves. So people close to me, when I showed it to them, when when they read it, they were like, no, this is not that special. This is like just any email or text I've gotten from you. So what that was like was it was really encouraging. Of course, I was a little afraid at first about influencing others to quit their jobs without much thought. And my wife pointed out, if a LinkedIn post from a stranger is going to make you quit your job, then there's other things going yeah, on. Yeah, maybe right? it's not your fault. So I was like, okay, right? yeah. she keeps me grounded for sure. Yeah, so it was super encouraging. And one thing that I wasn't expecting was all the feedback I got, just in general about my writing. They were like, "You should keep writing. I'd love to read and see more of your thoughts, just in general." And so I've taken that on a bit. It's been a while since I posted anything else, and I shared before. One of the things I wanted to do was like, I think I, I'd love to write a book, but I don't know what about. And then I write this post, and it takes off, and people are like, "You should write a book." It's like that's what I was gonna do, right? But now <laughs> I have something to write about. The nice thing is like I, I don't have a plan. I don't have an agenda. I can just you know write, explore, and then whatever happens happens. And I'm really excited about that. The lack of intention behind it, because I, I do want to sit in the exploration a bit. I think in a way, there was a lot of intention behind it, because I think in a subsequent post that you were very clear, I don't want to encourage anybody to just leave, right? That you had actually set yourself up to be able to do this. I mean, what I hear you saying is you don't have a structured plan, which is probably not surprising given what you have said about your relationship with structure and the middle schoolers, uh, right? <laughs> that right. <laughs> you probably aren't the person who's going to go off into this. You're going to have fun with it as opposed to hyperstructure it. But yeah, I think it's so awesome that you did this. And without getting into my own story at all, just say part of why the post so inspired me is I did something similar in my 30s. And I quit my job without a job because I knew I wasn't going to be able to figure out what I wanted to do, what I really wanted to do when I was working a ton and pretty stressed and unhappy. And so I, I really think this is also part of why it just struck such a chord with me. And I'm sitting here and you're a total stranger. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes, this is so awesome. And so I'm really curious now that you have had this experience and you have, even though you didn't set out to give advice to 54,000 people and far more, <laughs> because way more than that actually saw the post, is if you could go back in time and whisper some words of wisdom into your little self, I'm just imagining little Darian like wanting people to like him and approve, right? And what words of wis wisdom would you whisper in his ear? Yeah, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is don't take advice from anyone. That's my <laughs> that's the first thing that comes to mind. But no, I, I, I say that in jest. I have been thinking about this 
just about everything in my life that I was worried about, big life decisions, small life decisions, relationships, whatever that might be. Every single time I was anxious or worried about how things would turn out, if it was relationships or work or school, all of those decisions, events, what have you, all turned out way better than I could have even imagined. And I was constantly dwelling on the worst case scenario. This is one thing I worked on my coach with all year last year is this concept of catastrophizing, focusing on the worst thing that could ever happen. And that's usually not how things pan out. And the, the worst things in my life that have happened were all unplanned for. They were reorgs or someone passing away or things that I never could have planned or never could have seen coming. So if you have that knowledge early on, then what risks would you take earlier, right? Knowing that things are probably going to turn out even better than you expect. I, I think I would have taken more risks earlier and a little more confidently. And that's kind of where I'm at now, right? And, and I was, I'm able to step away from, and as you say, you know, fancy job, fancy title, <laughs> you know, step away into something unknown, knowing that, you know, I don't know how it's going to work out, but it's probably going to turn out better than I ever expected. Such great advice for all of our listeners and Anne and I as well. It's just great advice for anyone. So appreciate you being on the podcast with us. You made the comment about your woodworking. I have to say, I stumbled onto your Instagram account and you have some incredibly beautiful pieces. Thank you so much. We will put a link to your post in the show notes because there's plenty more people to be inspired by it. Well, Dorian, let me just add my two cents and say thank you so much for joining us and for really sort of, I love how you say you're an aspiring inspirer, but I think you're there. So thank you for inspiring me and thank you for inspiring our listeners. Really, really appreciate you and your time. And I think that's going to wrap up our episode for today. So to everybody listening, we really hope you enjoyed it and would love it if you would share our podcast with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes or post it to your own social media. You can find info in previous episodes at flowingeastandwest.com. And please join us next time for Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life.